I'd say this is a special one, as the title says, where Rachel was looking around the books in my flat. And we were just dragging around a mic on a cord, and the sound quality is a bit up and down. Um, hopefully it's still fun. I've done my best with the editing, but, you know, it is what it is. If it's, If you're very worried about sound... Uh, maybe skip to one or two when that comes out but for anyone who wants to know what Rachel makes of my books um, it'll make make it feel like you're in the room with us I guess and over to us bye hello and welcome to episode 101 of tea or books I'm Simon I'm Rachel and unusually we are in the same space maybe just sit closer to each other COVID be damned Uh, because we are in my flat in the middle of the Oxfordshire countryside. Oh, it's very lovely. Uh, Hargreaves is on my knee. He's normally shut away, but um, here he is. <laughs> I say he's, he normally interrupts, doesn't he? Uh, we're not doing special topics or books this time, but Rachel is just going to be looking at my bookcases. Yeah, I'm really excited. And there are lots of them. And it's I'm a bit like a child in a sweet shop at the moment. Uh, there were rumours that she would try and steal them or, you know, cull them, but I can see a glint. <laughs> uh, before we do that, Rachel, um, happy Christmas, happy new year. Uh, what have you been reading? Get any good books for Christmas, etc. Um, I didn't get any books for Christmas, actually. I think my family have decided I'm not allowed any more books. Um, I have, actually, no, that's a lie. I did get some, a couple of books I asked for for my friends, which are books about ghosts, because I'm really into ghost hunting at the moment. Um, and I'm currently reading a book by, I don't know, actually, I can look, I can look in my bag. Yeah, do that. Um, who, whose book I'm reading? I never know anyone's names. It's non-fiction. I'm reading um, A Natural History of Ghosts, 500 Years of Hunting for Proof by Roger Clark, which is absolutely fascinating. Lots of stories about historic ghost hunting. Amazing. And uh, how to ask this nicely, <laughs> how credible are you when it comes to ghosts? Um, not very. You know, I just find the concept of ghosts fascinating. Because, I mean, while I'm like happy to believe there could be ghosts, I'm like, well, if there are ghosts, then surely all of us would see them and they'd be everywhere. But um, yeah, so that's what this book, this book's not trying to convince you that ghosts exist. It's it's giving a historical overview of how people have interpreted ghosts, and etc. So yeah, it's very interesting. I'm enjoying it very much. Oh, that does sound really interesting. It sounds a bit like I really liked Contested Will by James Shapiro about theories about who wrote Shakespeare. Mm. Similarly, without he doesn't believe any of them, doesn't expect you to believe any of them, but it's really interesting to read about how people have believed them. Um, I am reading, you can see it on the table there, uh, A Woman of Passion, A Life of E. Nesbitt by Julia Briggs. Um, because I've just been, I've been reading quite a few of her different adult novels, trying to find one that's as good as The Lark. Sadly, none of them have yet been as good as The Lark, but um, I thought I should read about her life as well, which I, I bought it a few years ago. I love Inez, but so I'd be interested in reading that. <laughs> and there's a new one that's just come out. I don't remember the author or the title, but I'll put it in the notes. <laughs> Great. Oh, I'll say up top before we forget what we're doing next time. Uh, oh, I'm going to get these the wrong way around. Five Windows by D.A. Stevenson and Four Houses by Marjorie Sharp. Four Gardens. Four Gardens. Four Gardens. I couldn't remember the numbers. I couldn't remember what it was in. But I'll put it again in the notes. One by D.A. Stevenson, one by Marjorie Sharp. They've both been reprinted by Dean Street Press. And we're hoping to have a special guest on that episode. Who might it be? I thought that was one of the ghosts for a moment. It does come in. Um... But now, I guess, no further ado, I'm going to hand the mic to you, Rachel, and just lead us as we just talk about what's what's in this room, I guess. What isn't in this room, really? So I've, I've walked in, I'm going to try and visually describe this for everyone. Um, so you walk into the room, and it's it's actually a, a fairly sizable room, um, and there are bookshelves on every wall, <laughs> and also wallpaper that is also printed with books, which adds a kind of slightly confusing optical effect. Um, but I'm I am like I said before, like a child in a sweet shop because they are all hardbacks, they are all old, they are all our favourite authors and editions of the bit of books that I number one haven't seen with dust jackets and things, and number two I'm very jealous of. And you know maybe while Simon's in the toilet, I might <laughs> slip one into my bag. I won't, I promise. Um, so I think maybe we'll start, should we go alphabetically? Yeah, great. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm over by A. Um, oh, and I'm seeing that we've got a couple of Helen Ashton's. We've got one I've not read, which is Return to Cheltenham. 
Uh, yeah, I also have not read it, and I bought it in maybe 2000. I didn't even write 2005, maybe. I oh, right, that. okay. It's historical fiction, which is why I've not read it. Understood. Um, so, for those of you who don't know Helen Ashton, she is a Persephone author. She wrote Bricks and Water, which is a novel about um, an architect. And uh, both of us really enjoyed The Half Crown House. Which we did an episode on, didn't we? We yeah. did an episode on, and Simon has the same edition as me, which is very pretty. Um, we've got some Jane Austen's. Ruby Ayres. This one I find amusing because it's got this quote on the front. Would you like to just read this quote, Rachel? <laughs> okay, the quote on, on the front of this book, which looks like 1920s to me. You hate me? Quite likely. It does not surprise me. Brute force? I confess it, but still, you were kissed. And the kissed has a capital letter, <laughs> just in case. And what's great about this, it's got a picture of a man sort of holding a woman's arms. Uh, it's called the Master Man. This scene does not happen. <laughs> These characters are not in this book. What, really? Nothing even vaguely resembling this happens in this book. Right. <laughs> but for some reason, they thought that's what people would be after. It obviously worked for some. <laughs> that's all I can say. Um, and then we, we're moving down here and we're going into um, Frank Baker territory, which is Simon's favourite novel, Miss Hargraves, which is a beautiful edition. It's a lovely edition, which was given to me by a listener... Uh, to the podcast, who I think, oh, Henrietta, but if I've got that wrong, I'm going to put in the name in a minute. <laughs> I did get it wrong, of course. Thank you, Heidi. Sorry, Heidi, back to me in the past. And it, it is indeed a lovely edition. Um, and people who have listened to us for a while will know that unfortunately <laughs> I got proven wrong by Simon when I read Miss um, Hargraves and I had to admit it is actually quite good. <laughs> Um, I'm coming down here into bees. We've got lots of Elizabeth Bowens that I also love, um, and also Anne Bridge, who's who's a favourite novelist Illyrian. of mine. But you don't seem to have a copy of Illyrian Spring. Oh, the reason that's not here is because I it's a paperback in the bedroom. Ah, paperback in the bedroom, right? We're just sticking to the lounge for now, guys. Um, otherwise, I would literally be here <laughs> till next week. Um, oh, we've got some. We've got some Dorothy Canfields down here. I love Dorothy Canfields. So we've got Hassan's Wife in a Brimming Cup, both of which I've read and loved. And I believe that Persephone is, is actually bringing out a new, has just brought out a new one. Yes, they've done The Deepening Stream, which I don't have yet. So I do need to get hold of that. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, oh, I've got, see some Elizabeth Cambridges here that I've not read. Yeah, that was... Um, that, so we've got two doctors, which I bought online, and Susan and Joanna. Susan and Joanna was incredibly hard to find, but I found it at a village fete um, in Lower Slaughter, a place I'd gone to. There you go. It says in front. Um, I've, I went to Lower Slaughter because I had a funny name. We didn't with my friend Mel. We didn't even know there was a fete uh, until we got there, and then I saw this, and it cost I think it was a pound, and it's it's basically impossible to get hold of. Uh, so that was very lucky. I have read it, uh, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I read it during project names. I'm very jealous. Looks great. I've got some Willa Casters. Nothing I haven't got, though. Not feeling jealous of those. <laughs> oh, can't get that back in. There we go. Um, let's see what we've got down here. Ah, so Norman Collins, you've got Children of the Archbishop. Now, I loved uh, London Belongs to Me. Have you read this one? I have not read it. It's got a wonderful cover. I'm going to describe the cover okay. for you because this, this could be interpreted in several ways. There are people at a table, one of whom is a vicar, another is a lady with a hat on looking quite official. It looks like the meeting of a parish council. And a small child <laughs> is entering a door at the, in the distance and looks like they might be in trouble. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it looks very retro. <laughs> Book club edition. I'd like to read that. From my mum, in fact. From your mum. Mm. Lovely. Um Right, let's look up here. Anything that strikes my fancy. Oh, we've got some a Lettuce Cooper here that I've not seen. The Double Heart, her new novel. Have you read this? Uh, I have not read it. And when, when did it, when I get did it? it? Oh, it doesn't say. say. So that, if it doesn't say, it's usually before 2008. So <laughs> I have read Desirable Residence by her, which uh, was written in, I think, 1980. Oh. Uh, so she had a long life. Uh, and it's about squatters, basically, who turn violent. So uh, re I thought it was really good, but um, unexpected. Right. Let's see what we've got. The Rising Tide. Who's that by? Margaret Dellen. Oh. Not read. Yeah. Okay. We've got some here that I've. Will Shakespeare, Clement's Dane. Is that a play? It is a play, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I came across that. Um, ooh, a really beautiful edition of Hogarth essays. 
by Rose McCauley and yeah by Rose McCauley oh. um Sorry, passing mic back and forth. And so we've been going alphabetically on this bookcase, but the bottom row of this bookcase, which is a sort of like step bookcase, so it gets bigger as it gets as you go down, is uh, entirely books by or about. In fact, not even by. They're mostly just about Virginia Woolf. So um, we've got a sudden break from our alphabet here. So I included the Hogarth Press series uh, because it goes with the other one by Leonard Woolf that I have here. Oh, they're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful card covers with what looks like Vanessa um, Bell designs as well. Yeah, they're either... Um, that was a gift from... That was a gift? From Nicola Bowman. Oh, how kind. That's lovely. That's not the right place. That I've got to know. He'll sort that out later. <laughs> right, we're going to go up and um, go round to the other side. Let's try and do this without disconnecting us. Oh, no, lovely. Thank you. Well, there's also Hargreaves Ball down there. <laughs> Hargreaves everywhere. Right, I'm coming round now to the E. Um, Mary Essex. Now, am I right in saying tea is so intoxicating as one of your British Library it is classics? Indeed, yeah. So you've got a few of those here. Would you recommend? Um I still got my version of tea is so yes you do I should get rid of that <gasps> well maybe you could give it to a friend oh you can have it if you want yeah. a friend called Rachel <laughs> that you purchased in 2002 I did yeah and I read it in 2002 as well I think back when I didn't have as many books mm. um, but don't you want to keep this nice edition no you can have it look at this generosity <laughs> and friendship winnowing out the book I like uh, The Amorous Bicycle a lot that's there as well that's a wonderful name for a book isn't it it's about that's a lovely edition isn't it oh this is lovely a child in the theater a novel by rachel ferguson with a beautiful cover now rachel ferguson wrote one of the most depressing persephone books <laughs> um remind me of the name alas poor lady alas poor lady and i mean really she is a poor lady um and this is this a children's book or no it's a it's a novel about two um actors who have very different careers i guess i only read it uh, last november after having it for an awfully long time and did you enjoy it i did it was good mm. i think my favorite of hers is still the bronte's went to woolworth mm. oh of which you have an original edition i do I gosh a lovely cover <gasps> oh you do have a lovely cover oh it's a beautiful original cover everybody very jealous Come down here. Oh, I'm looking at Stella Gibbons. Now, I know lots of people are fans of Stella Gibbons. Um, Or do you think that she never quite reached the heights of Cold Comfort Farm? But we've got The Matchmaker, which I've read and thought was okay. I've not read that one. My American. Haven't read that one. Haven't read that one. (laughs) Miss Lindsay and Park. That's brilliant. That's one of the best books I read last year. Okay. Recommended by everybody. Um... Right, we've got some books here. Right, so I remember you talking about John Godden before. Well, if you've not seen this cover, this is a lovely... Oh, that is beautiful. Um, beautiful 50s cover? 50s, 60s? 50s, I think, yeah. So snowy with a... Wolf, uh, Cold in winter, we're 60, looking at. 61. And John Godden is the brother of Rima Godden? The sister, weirdly. The sister? Oh, yeah. gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, the sister of Rima Godden, who I love Rima Godden's books. Um, the, the Green Gage Summer is one of my favourites, actually. So that's lovely to see. I had to look out for that. Um, and then I'm I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm like a little <laughs> frittering around, frittering around. What have I got down here? Well, that looks interesting. What's that? Brief Candles. Oh, yeah. Aldous Huxley. Ah. Uh, I haven't read it. <laughs> so many lovely editions. And Pamela Hansford-Johnson. Now, this is somebody that I see a lot in second-hand bookshops, but I've never actually understood what type of writer she is. So I've read maybe only two... No, three books by her. I've read um, The Honours Board, set in a school, which I really enjoyed. Then An Error of Judgment, which was really gruesome and I didn't like. Uh, and then The Unspeakable Skipton, which I did enjoy. So they're sort of, they're quite varied in tone and in setting, the three I've read. So I'm not sure what a, a stereotypical Pamela Hansford Johnson. There's in the mid-century, maybe 60s, and they're quite often um, like big moral quandaries at the centre of them, those sorts of books. A Gentle Read? Um, well, weirdly, so the honest board was, Error of Judgment really wasn't, right. and Speakable Scripture sort of in the middle, so okay. don't know really. Interesting. I'm also just, I'm looking here directly opposite at the Paul Gallico shelf. Now, you and I are both big fans of, of Paul Gallico. For people who haven't read Paul Gallico, he was a prolific writer, and mm. 
if you want to find an example of somebody who every single book is completely different yeah. and you cannot predict what you're going to get, he he is perfect. Now, um, Love of Seven Dolls is wonderful. I have the same copy. Hmm. Um, Coronation I've read and I've also really enjoyed. I don't know too many ghosts. This is a great title right and great cover. Is this a book about ghost hunting? Uh, yes. Haven't read it. <laughs> but <laughs> I have read The Hand of Mary Constable, ah. which is one of them is a sequel to the other, and I can't remember which it is. And this one is Hand of Mary Constable is a ghost story of sorts. It's basically, or like there's a psychic and they're trying to work out if he's really communicating with the dead or not. Oh, that sounds right on my street. And I think Too Many Ghosts might be the book that comes before it. If I just oh, read the second one. Interesting. <laughs> and on on that note, the door has just been opened as if by magic, <laughs> yeah. but it, it is Hargreaves. It's Hargreaves wandering out. Um, that gave me a bit of a start. <laughs> Pull it together. The ghosts, recording. the ghosts. Um, okay, so we move on over here to, oh, I can't quite see, oh, Stephen Leacock. Now, you're a big fan of Stephen Leacock. I've never read anything by him. Do you want to tell us a bit? Because you've got literally two Ooh, whole shelves. Yeah. Yeah, I love him. He's a Canadian humorist from the 10s, 20s, 30s, who I thought was very popular in Canada until I went to Canada and discovered that <laughs> whilst everyone then had heard of him, he isn't very well read <laughs> there anymore. Yeah, they're mostly sort of short comic essays. They're very slightly surreal. I I, I love him. I think he's got that sort of Edwardian and post-Edwardian uh, sort of flippancy, I guess, which I always really enjoy. Um yeah, and I went to his house in Canada uh, in 2017, which was really wonderful. Which, um, and during the trip, I'm sure, give a little shout out, you must have seen Lovely Darlene. I did see Lovely Darlene. Yeah, I don't think, I'm not sure if she's ever been to Stephen Leacock's house, <laughs> but there's no no real reason to go to Aurelia otherwise, which is a sort of tiny or well, small town an hour and a half from Toronto, but um, or Toronto, if you want to. Toronto. <laughs> no, we can't say it properly. We'll just shut up. Um, oh, I'm interested here, actually. So The Tortoise and the Hare is by Elizabeth Jenkins, mm. who's also a Persephone author who wrote Harriet. Made that up? No, it is. Simon's nodding. Yeah. Curiously, <laughs> um, and wonderful writer. And you've got a book here by her that I've never heard of called Honey. Have you read it? Here's a familiar theme. I've not read it. When did I get that? 2011. I have read Robert and Helen, also by her, ah. which I thought was wonderful um, and su- suggested to the British Library until or was, I think I was halfway through it when I said, we-, we have to do this. It's really good on class. It's all about the communism and stuff. And then the final few pages, I won't see what happens in case anyone reads it, but it's so the, the ending is so bad that oh. it sort of ruined the whole thing that came beforehand. Oh, but maybe Honey will be brilliant. I should give that a read sometime. Um, and Patricia, oh, you've got lots of um, Herbert Jenkins, which I didn't know. No. Um, okay, let's go up. What am I seeing? Oh, we're up to Rose Macaulay. You've got a huge collection of Rose Macaulay. I've only ever read uh, The World is My Wilderness. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about your collection? Yeah, so um, you might be more familiar with the one that Rachel's mentioned, or um, what's the really famous last one? Towers of Trebizond. Yeah. Uh, whereas I'm much more into her 1920s stuff. The British Library did reprint Dangerous Ages. That is one of them. I don't think I have that here anymore. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> but I have recently been buying up various of her others. So I got The Making of a Bigot recently. I got uh, Mystery at Geneva recently. Um, I haven't read Whatnot, but it's a very rare copy, so I really should. I found that in a sort of rickety second-hand shop in Bristol once. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've not read most of these, I'm going to be honest, but but I love her and I keep buying them. I keep rereading them, but actually should read... I keep trying Told by an Idiot, which is the first one I bought. You can't tell if it's that one without, without any binding on it. Uh, and I've given up on it three times, but people love that one, so one day... One day, indeed, there'll there'll be time for everything. Um, I'm I'm interested uh, coming down here. You've got a Dennis McKyle there, summertime on the end of the shelf, and actually, um, we're here as well. I love Greenery Street by Dennis McKyle, which is another Persephone book. I've never read anything else by him because his books are really hard to get hold of. So, what did you think of those? So I love Greenery Street. I haven't re- I haven't read Summertime <laughs> all way, but I did have read What Next, which is up there, um, which was okay. Like his other books I've read haven't been as good by any means, sadly. But um, I did read the sequel to Greenery Street, um, Ian and Felicity, which sadly I don't have. But Kirsty, who we had lunch with, lo- loves it. Dennis Mikhail, and she had a copy of it. Um, but I keep buying. In fact, I used to have a couple more, but I gave them to Kirsty when I read them because I didn't like them that much, and she really loves them. I mean, 
also speaking of Kirsty, she mentioned when we were at lunch. Hi to Kirsty and Paul. Paul will be listening, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so I was lovely friends. Just met them. Um, we the, the mention of the house of the house that you had by William. I can't see the end of his Macaulay, name. Macaulay, I think. That you recommended to Persephone. Kirsty wants me to. I've not actually read it, <laughs> so she she loved that book. And, so, and when I found a copy, I thought Let's I'd read it. Down and see what's, what it what's all about, so we can tell everyone. Oh, it's gorgeous! Uh, I'm usually for the period because I'm guessing this is quite early. It's a paperback, mm. 1938. Um, so it seems to be this first novel. I'm reading you the blurb from the <laughs> ja- the dust jacket flap. This first novel has a curious theme since since it is first of all a book about a house. While this house is temporarily untenanted, a tramp steals into it in search of food and shelter. Circumstances persuade him to remain and to make the acquaintance without ever having met him of a poet of genius. Well, this sounds charming. And the front cover is beautiful. It m- making me think of a little bit of The Air, maybe, by Vita Sackville West. Well, you have to read it and let us know. So... Um, my, I did say beforehand that my job here was to get rid of Simon's books, but actually being in this space, um, I will admit, I, and I do admit when I'm wrong. You're beguiled by it. I am quite beguiled by it, and that it's actually not as um, as stacked with books as I'd thought, because I did have images of Simon dying under a pile of books <laughs> and being found three weeks later, but actually it's it's really not like that. And it's beautifully displayed, and it's such a joy to be surrounded by so many beautiful and rare books, actually. Um, yeah, no, it's I'm, a treat. I'm, I'm delighted to hear you say that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I will say when I'm wrong. So, um, I'm really, really jealous of the um, Morley books here, Christopher Morley. Now, we did an episode on, um, what's the book chart there? Parnassus on Wheels. Parnassus on Wheels, which we both loved. Christopher Morley is American, wasn't he? And yeah. I think his his books are, are quite easy to get hold of in the States, but they're not so much here. Um, and he's got a lovely connect- collection of them. Have you read any others beyond Parnassus on Wheels? So I've read the sequel, which is actually a paperback, so it's not here. The sequel's sadly much less good. Uh, from the ones here, I've read Safety Pins and Thunder on the Left, I think, which are both selections of essays. Uh, the, there are another three or four there that are novels that I've not read. I did start Where the Blue Begins, but it was narrated by a dog, and I wasn't in the in the in the right headspace to be reading a book by a dog. Fair enough. Um, I'm intrigued by Bernadette Murphy's An Unexpected Guest. Have you read that? I have read that. So I bought that just because I, similarly, I was intrigued, I guess. Um, but then when I did my default, it turns out to be useful because it's um, a woman who's. I'm trying to remember. I think she's transported in space rather than in time, but she sort of is walking down a path and then winds up in a house in Ireland. Uh, yeah. So it was interesting. It's not particularly well written, but it was an interesting plot. Um, and coming down a couple of, of shelves here, we're, we're bypassing Simon's collection of Beverly Nichols. Um, Simon has a very jealousy-inducing collection of Molly Panter Downs novels. Um bought irritatingly cheaply so her, her first book the shawless sea is practically impossible to find simon do you want to tell everybody how much you paid for your coffee <laughs> i was so lucky it cost me two pound fifty it was a long time ago maybe well it was maybe 2007 or something uh i bought it in the book barn in somerset back when that used to be massive and went open to the public it's now mostly online stuff I only I read it maybe like five years ago. It's her first novel. It's very um, I think she was like nineteen or something, wasn't she, when she wrote it? Maybe even younger. It's very like romantic and hysterical for as <laughs> befits a teenager. But uh, but it is good. I've not read the Stormbird, which sadly was nowhere near as cheap. But <laughs> when that came up, I thought I have to get more. And then my husband Simon, which uh, when I got it was very hard to get hold of, but uh, is now a British Library uh, women's writers book. Same, much easier. Well done, Simon. Uh, very impressive book finding there. Um, not so well done to the book barn in Somerset, who did not adequately price their books. Um, so I tell you the other book I found, yes. uh, the, which is not here, it's further around, but uh, I think possibly the same trip to the book barn came. I bought an old copy of The Priory by Dorothy Whipple. And I thought, well, that's just a nice old copy. It was not till I got it home that I discovered it was signed by her. He's just taunting me now, taunting me. Um, I'm moving on now to looking at Winifred Peck. Now she is somebody who I've read a bit of lately. Um, you've got 
a copy of oh, Go Away. He's showing me Dorothy Buffel's signature. I'm just going to hold this for a minute, actually, just because I want to, I'm like, she touched this page. It's really exciting. I can't believe that. It's beautiful. Um, so you've got Bewildering Cares, which has just been reprinted by Dean Street Press. It is, and I have not read it. <laughs> I've not read A Clear Dawn either. I've read A Clear Dawn, and it was a bit histrionic, okay. but not unenjoyable. Okay. I gave it to someone. Maybe me. I don't know. Did you give me this? No, because no. my copy had a dust jacket. So I've not. I've only read Housebound by her. Oh, do you know what? I think I gave it to the charity shop. And it has been purchased because I get my little email. So, <laughs> um, right. I'm it was kind hard of. To see you I've fallen. <laughs> I've fallen onto the sofa. I'm like sort of in this weird position and now I can't see what's behind me. Um, what's this? Lavender and Old Lace. That sounds nice. It's Myrtle Reed. Is it? It sounds histrionic. Is it good? It. She does. He doesn't know. Um, the White Shield by her. Yeah. Uh, I'm stuck. Okay, we can't see. We're moving on. <laughs> um, bringing the microphone back. I'm going to try and get myself off the sofa. <laughs> Very undignified. Um, right, we're going to go over to this side. Oh, okay. So we're up here and we're looking at Marjorie Sharp now. Marjorie Sharp is a favourite of both mine and Simon's. Now, obviously, you've got an incredible collection up here. What would you say is your favourite? Ooh, so I think my favourite's probably um, Clooney Brown, which I think must be up here somewhere. Oh, yes, Clooney Brown, amusingly, this copy, they spell her name wrong on the dust jacket. Oh, yes, so they do, yeah. Um, I've got all the new Dean Street Press editions in the paperback room, but uh, um, The Gypsy in the Parlour, also really brilliant, much more more sombre than her others. But, um, yeah, that was great. Lovely. Um, I'm coming down here. You've got lots of D Stevenson's. We've got Elizabeth Taylor's. Love Elizabeth Taylor, but not as I'm guessing most of hers are paperbacks and they're over there. Yeah, mostly on the Brago shelf. Yeah, Simon, as you come in um, the front door, there, Simon's got a whole bookshelf there that's just got Brago paperbacks. I, I will just stress all I'm looking at at the moment is the hardbacks. <laughs> so I'm, I've, I've probably missed things here. So let's see what we've got here. We've got a couple of D Stevenson's. Some Elizabeth Taylors, anything that's striking. Well, these are who's Lady Kitty Vincent and Fish. This is fascinating. Yeah, Fish is the illustrator. Um, these are sort of fun, silly, short sketches. And they're very dusty as well. Gin and Ginger. This one is. Uh, there's also lipstick. So there's these nice cartoons, oh. and they're just little stories. Um, they're, well, they they're very flippant. I did try and read a longer novel by her, but it was all about hunting. Which is not not my cup of tea. No. Um, we've got a wonderful collection of um, Elizabeth von Armin no- Arnim novels. I know you're a big fan of hers. Um, I'm just looking to see if there's any I've not heard of. Um, the Benefactress is not one I've come across. Uh, I've not read it. <laughs> but there's quite a few of these. I should maybe I'm making my way through them. Uh, most embarrassingly, I've not read Princess Priscilla's Fortnight, which came about when I gave a conference paper on Father. I mentioned it in passing, but then one of the questions at the end was about it, and I had to confess that I had not read it. <gasps> Awkward. Can I show you one that I just got? Yes. Because I, I think that is beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. So this is The Happy Ending by Leo Wormsley. Now, Leo Wormsley was, had a bit of a moment a few years ago. I think you would mentioned him somewhere, and there was a sort of a rush on one of his books. <laughs> well, I assume you just read it. So Jane, who blogs at Beyond Eden Rock, read Love in the Sun, and lots of people were all over that. I finally read Love in the Sun last year. Really loved it, and this is one of the sequels. The other ah. one being the Golden Water Wheel. Well, they're beautiful copies, absolutely gorgeous dust jackets. Did you spend a lot of money? Um, I spent a medium amount of money. <laughs> we'll say no more. Um, now, Sylvia Townsend Warner is someone who is currently having a bit of a renaissance, and Penguin has. Or is it vintage? Somebody has just republished all of her books. Now, this is a beautiful edition of The True Heart. Do you want to tell us a bit about this? Yeah, I re- really love Lolly Willows. We did an epi- episode in a long time. I love her short stories. There's a few of those around here as well. That's one of oh, my yes. favourite collection, probably Swans on Autumn River. Uh, I don't always get on with her novels, but this is my second favourite of her novels, which is uh, set in... Victorian times, I can't remember if late or early, uh, and it's a retelling of the Cupid and Psyche myth. I don't know a lot about the Cupid and Psyche myth, so I, I missed out on that probably. Um, but it is a nice copy and I did enjoy it. Absolutely stunning edition. And something that's interesting here is that 
I think all of your editions are American, but she was a British writer. So why do you think that is? Well, her short stories were mostly published in the New Yorker, and so the collections, I think they often were editions here, but she was, as a short story writer, much more popular in America than she was in the UK. Right. I think I've just spotted some treasure here. So Winifred Watson is famous for those of us who are Persephone fans for having written Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, which I think I'm right in saying is probably Persephone's bestseller. Certainly most people's introduction to Persephone books. Now, I have never seen or heard of any of her other novels. And Simon very smugly has a copy here of another one of her books called Fell Top. Simon, tell us more. Stephen, what's going to make you even more annoyed is that I bought this maybe 15 years ago and I have not read it. Oh, <laughs> it's um, it's a 2005 ro- he bought this book. <laughs> it's a rural novel. Uh, and I just remember, I think after I bought it, I read an interview or heard Nicola Bowman speak somewhere and she said how terrible all her other books were. So I never uh, felt encouraged to read it, but I should. I should try for myself. Well, you should. I mean, and, and for the rest of us too, because nobody else is going to be able to get hold of this stuff. I mean, honestly, it's just wonderful, all this, all these editions. I'm going down to the bottom now of the shelf. I'm going down to W. So we've obviously got some, quite a few Persephone's, which is always a joy to see. Not Persephone, sorry, Dorothy Whipple. She just associate her with Persephone books. Um, and you've got a copy of Some Must Watch by Ethel Lena White. Now, I love... Um, I always get the name of the book wrong because it's not the name of the film. The Wheel Turns. The Wheel Turns by Ethel Lena White, which is a wonderful um, mystery novel that was made into... What's the name of the film? Uh, the Lady Vanishes. The Lady Vanishes, thank you. Simon just knows what I'm thinking. So this is called... Uh, this is... Tied together with tape, cost Simon a pound. Um, he bought it in Hay on Y. And you can see I bought it five days ago. Five days ago. So that was a good find. And you haven't had a chance to read it yet, but you're going to. Yeah, in fact, Kirsty, who was on that trip, uh, is a big fan of hers. And uh, Did she encourage you to buy it? Well, I found it before. I, she, she was not with me when I found it, but I was ready and willing to let her have it if she didn't already, but she did already own it. What a friend. What a good friend. What a friend. So, I mean, these are our hardback selection. And, you know, I think what's interesting to me is a lot of this stuff is, you know, incredibly difficult to get hold of. But what's evidenced from the fact that Simon writes the dates in the front of each of the books is that these have been collected over a long period of time. Um, And I guess my question to you is... When you were buying these books, you know, 10, 15 years ago, how did you know what to look for? Because obviously, you know, the the stuff that's made a lot of these books fashionable these days, these new presses, you've got Dean Street Fresh, you've got Persephone, you've got the British Library Writers, etc., which you are obviously the series consultant for. Um, how did you find out about these people? I mean, a lot of it is from an online book club I'm in called Dove Grey Books, which particularly in previous years, was a lot more active. That's uh, it, set, it started originally because we all like Persephone books and then spread wider than that. So lots of authors that I know, either because they are Persephone authors or because they're recommended there. Um, and then once you start reading biographies, you see all these different names mentioned. Obviously, I was I studied this period as an academic as well, so a lot of more names there. Um, and then some of it, but not that often, some of it is just like picking things at random and seeing how they go. I do that less than I used to, and I want one of my things for this year is try and do that more. Every year I do my list of stats on my blog, um, and one of the things I look at is how many authors that I read this year that were new to me, like I hadn't read anything by them before. And it's normally about half-half, but last year I think it was only about 30% of the books I read were by authors I didn't know, and that includes you know book clubs I'm in or biographers of authors I do know and that sort of thing. So I think last year I obviously wanted to go back to reliable reliability. I guess you know, in a, in a crazy world, wanted some some something reliable. So this year I'm hoping to uh, try more of the authors on my shelves that I don't know or that I picked up just because they looked interesting. Yes, wonderful. So we're going over to the fireplace now. For those of you who are worried about books being near <laughs> open flames, Simon's fireplace is not working. Um, as in, it doesn't actually burn logs, so they're fine. Don't worry. Um, now, I want Simon to talk about this because this is his book. He's got a shelf full of books that he's already told me he's not read yet, but that's for good reason. I'm not having a go. Um, this is his shelf of books that he's considering for future British Library Women writers. So, Simon, do you want to talk to us a little bit about some of the choices you've got up here? 
Absolutely. So I, the books on here aren't ones that I necessarily know very much about, but essentially if I get a book by an author who I know isn't in print or isn't likely to be reprinted soon, um, then I put them on this, this shelf. And there aren't really that many of them, <laughs> considering how many books are in this room. But um, some are by authors who are well-known in for other books. So I've got The Dragon in the Shadow Waters by Vita Sackville West. I've got The Hills Sleep On by Joanna Cannon, who's a Persephone author. I've got a Lettuce Cooper called Three Lives. I've got a Rebecca Russ that was a, a Persephone, sorry, a Virago, but is out of print now, The Thinking Read. Um, there's Elizabeth Berridge, Margaret Drabble, various people who are known. But then there's some books that I picked up where I don't know anything at all about the person. So The East Window by Margaret Morrison, for example. Don't know anything about that at all. Uh, we've got... Um, who else? Uh, there is a Tide by Agnes Logan and The Dogs Do Bark by someone Barbara Willard and the Gothic House by Jean Ross was a time I bought those three together online when well, from different places but I was deliberately going out trying to find authors I didn't know anything about and thinking um, they could be good people uh, how did I even find out I think the Gothic House was recommended on Instagram by someone the other two I think I'd just gone through reading Farid Middlebrow blog and reading he has he has a list of descriptions of basically everyone who was writing in England or every woman between 1900 and 1950 and they looked interesting um, and then this is in The Visitors by Mary McInnes is a book that is really loved by um, Barr but leaves some pages so I thought I'd get that to try uh, and yeah so sort of a range of things that could be great could be dreadful oh, this was a great find actually A Lion a Mouse and a Motor Car by uh, Dorothea Townsend great title anyway but uh, it was on Scott's Farad Middlebrow blog, uh, the guy behind the Farad Middlebrow series. He'd borrowed a copy and said it was impossible to find, but we really enjoyed it. And then later that month, I was in Homeway and found a copy of it. I think for £3, maybe. Let's see. I know, isn't it awful? £3.50. <laughs> so I think even if he had not mentioned it, I would buy a book called A Lion, A Mouse and a Motor Car. <laughs> but um, I was delighted. As, as Rita says, I've not read anything on this shelf yet. Um, but lots of candidates that I'm looking forward to seeing. I mean, most of the books I read when I'm trying to think, will these be good for the British Library series, aren't good enough for, or, you know, there might be other reasons why they're not suitable for republishing, because it really, I'm trying to keep it to just books I think are really brilliant that I suggest for the series, which, you know, the actual ones published it are right next to it on the same shelf. So, um, but so far from the ones that have been republished, Sally on the Rocks by Winifred Boggs um, and Oh, the Brave Music by Dorothy Evelyn Smith were books that I, read especially to see or maybe these would be good for the series and those are the ones that did win out it's you know i i think it's going to be really interesting for us to to learn about these books because there's a lot of writers here i've never heard of and often i find books in secondhand bookshops and i've never heard of the writer and i just think oh i i can't be bothered to you know to store something that might not be very good so i commend you your willingness to try right we're going to go over here um I was going to see who's... Oh, I see. Um, now, you've got huge collections over here above the TV, we are now, of Richmond Crompton and E.M. Delafield. Now, I'm just going to have a look at this one. Oh, my goodness, that's a lovely edition of Faster, Faster. Um, do you want to tell us about your favourite E.M. Delafields aside from the Provincial Ladies? Absolutely. So, uh, these are two of the authors that I started collecting first um thankfully at a time when isn't that a lovely oh, faster faster yeah um at a time when the internet obviously was around you could buy abe books existed but i think people in general hadn't quite caught up with it so i managed to get quite a lot for prices that i would not be able to get them for now because some of them are quite hard to find um and yeah faster faster that you were just looking at is one of my favorites it's a theme that Ian delafield quite often returns to of career career women who tried to have it all and have horrible things happen she wasn't <laughs> she was a feminist but but some of her books suggest maybe she you know mixed <laughs> mixed uh feelings about it uh similarly the war workers really love in that in that line um that's, oh, i really like mrs harter i don't remember a lot about it but when i read that um uh, what was amusing about this series of paperback, these five ones that were Hutchinson paperbacks, is each of them says E.M. Delafield's famous novel, such and such, like <laughs> no one's heard of <laughs> The Heel of Achilles, which wasn't very good. But Tension, I, I read that one, and that is now a British Library yeah. one that we... We did that, didn't we, for podcast? We did. Um, I was with you when I bought The Pelicans. Yes, you yeah, were. Yeah. 
What was it? And we were with Jenny. We were before we recorded the episode on spoilers. Yeah. And then Rachel Crompton, I think, is one of those authors who, um, at a certain stage of my life, deeply loved her and she really helped develop my reading. I think now quite a lot of her books are not quite there, like quality wise. They are, they're very, they're quite a lot of them are very similar. I still love sitting back with them, but I think now I recognize they're not brilliantly written and they are a bit repetitive. But, you know, there's a time when you want something that is just completely reliable. Um, and her best ones, Frost at Morning, I love, which is um, really good about sort of the metaphor of like what happens if children uh, have like bad starts in life, I guess, like plants if they have frost early in the day. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a horticulturalist, but I'm assuming. Um, uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> matching the Deeringroids, I love, which is down here. Uh, so this shelf is my one concession to colour coordinating because they're all the same author, so I don't mind having them in a sort of rainbow. No, that's quite nice, actually. It's not quite a nice effect. Um, if you could recommend one Richmond Crompton, what would you recommend people to find? Um, mm, mm, mm. I think I'm going to say Matty and the Deering Roads, which I think was republished by Grey Ladies. Maybe someone republished it a few years ago. Uh, it's about a woman who, I can't remember if she loses all her money, or for some reason she can't afford to live on her, her own, so her distant relatives uh, parcel her out. She spends a quarter of the year with each of them, and she doesn't particularly like this arrangement, but she's irrepressible and funny. She, quite, she reminds me of Miss Mole from, from Miss Mole by E.H. Young quite a lot, and it's great fun, but also there's that sort of underlying poignancy about someone who no longer has the wherewithal to, to you know, determine their own fate, I guess. I can see you've got a lovely collection here of... Um... Fitzcarraldo editions. Do you want to tell us a bit about those? If those are more modern, obviously. Yes. So my about the newest part of this room is this pile of it. <laughs> it's uh, partly because I read this little art at the bottom by Kate Briggs, which is about translation. It's such a brilliant book. And now, if I'm in an independent bookshop, I always want to buy something to support them. Mm-hmm. And if I can't see anything else that catches my eye, I just get another one of the Fitzcarraldo. Uh, these are all all whites. They're all uh, non-fiction, mostly essays, but not all. Um, I've not read any of their novels, but I just I find their selection of non-fiction really interesting. And I've read probably half of this pile of ten. So, um, that's not bad going. for me. No, that's good going. I can see I've got Notes from No Man's Land myself by Unibus, which is oh, excellent. Really, yeah. really enjoyed that, and I'm very interested in reading this little art. Actually, translation interests me endlessly. Right, we have a whole bookshelf here of Persephone's. Bookcase. Bookcase, nonetheless, I should say. Sorry, that was very non-specific, wasn't it? Um, do you have all of them? Uh, I don't. How many do I have? I'm not going to get estimating. I've probably got about 100, maybe. Looks about 100, would you say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tend not to get the, like, the gardening books or any things, um, and I've not caught up as much in buying them in the past maybe four or five years as I used to, because I've got lots here that I've not read. <laughs> um and you have a spot in the frame here, Edith Olivier, dressed as Queen Elizabeth I. Oh, wonderful. Beautiful illustration. Um, I don't actually have that many Persephone editions myself anymore because I replaced them you with original ones. Yeah, yeah. But it's certainly a very impressive collection and they do look beautiful all together, which I do think... I'm not one for order on shelves normally, but it makes quite an impression, as do your Viragos outside, that I'm not sure we're going to be able to go and look at because we can't stretch the cord. <laughs> we can't stretch the cord. So you've also got piles of of books next to the Persephone bookcase. What are these doing here? Uh, so in the kitchen and here in a pile on the floor are my books about books or about <laughs> reading. Uh, the ones here on the floor used to be on two different windowsills, but they got quite wet. So some of them were quite badly damaged, sadly. Uh, to get rid of one, in fact. Uh, so that was a lesson learned, and I don't keep books on windowsills anymore. But um, yeah, there's. I just love books about books, books about reading. That is not a not a surprise to any long time listener. Uh, and they just get piled up here as they buy more. So I've not read many at the tops of the piles, but towards the bottom of piles, I've read more. Okay. Do you want to tell us about? Do you have a favourite book or a book that you're most kind of excited about or most happy that you found Wait there. <laughs> okay he's off when we when i'm looking around this room it's just honestly so beautiful to see all of these original dust jackets and things and you know it's actually quite i mean i've said it many times it's, it's real je- jealousy inducing to be honest here he comes what have you got here so the book i've chosen um and again we're about the actual book rather than uh the contents necessary. It's a fairy leapt upon my knee by B. Howe, which I read about in a collection of letters by David Garnett and Sylvia Tanzan Warner. I might have mentioned before, and then I ordered it. 
And uh, you might have heard a gasp in the background because the turns out the copy I ordered, which is just the cheapest copy on Amazon, uh, came and had David Garnett's signature in it and also his son Richard owned it after him. Um, I know. Amazing. I do sometimes feel it's serendipity. Bookid can we make up a word? <laughs> Bookadipity. Bookadipity, I like that. That's lovely. Bookadipity, we've made that up. Um because that does seem to be something that seems to happen to you often now i don't know whether someone like my brother who's very into you know not coincidences not being a thing but more selective thinking um you know i guess we hear about stuff if you're immersed in a world of stuff and you know when you go to bookshops often then it's just that those titles are going to jump out at you it's not like you know they probably have been there for 10 years or whatever but it does seem to be that you manage to have these things fall at you um all the time yeah i think it's a numbers game if basically if you yeah. if you go to bookshops as often as i do and buy as many books as i do that at some point it's going to happen that yeah. you'll get this those special moment thinking about your collection which as you've mentioned a bit before you know you've been collecting for a long time and certainly before the internet and bookshopping on the internet was a was a big thing and before people could i guess find out the true value of things do you think that now you find stuff less often um I think you kind of now have to rely on the little bookshops, places that, or, you know, I don't go to car boot sales and stuff often enough. If you're at Village Fate, you might get a chance there or a charity shop that doesn't, like Oxfam always knows the value of things, but other charity shops maybe don't. And in fact, Wantage, a little market town about half an hour away from here, is a really good bookshop uh, with where they basically price all hardbacks at three or four pounds. And so sometimes you come away with stuff that's really worth more than that and they don't they just haven't got the time to check everything so they just put them out um but i think yeah certainly on abe books it's no longer you know like people te- people know what stuff is worth when they put it online now um which is great you know we want booksellers to do well but it does mean you have to rely more on serendipity it's in some ways going back a bit to how it was before like before the internet because whilst now you can get a copy of nearly anything online you m- might just have to pay a lot for it in the past, obviously, they couldn't do that, but they, they like us, are relying on that serendipity. I think, for me, the most exciting thing about being here is that you've got so many books that are difficult to find that you haven't read yet. So I feel like there's still... You've uncovered the treasure, but you haven't actually uncovered it yet because you've not read it. So there's so much more here to discover. And um, I'm particularly excited by this shelf of books that you're going to read to see whether they'll become British Library classics because I can see quite a few names here that I recognise. For example, The Dragon in Shallow Waters by Vita Sackville-West, which is not a Sackville-West I've heard of, and I love Vita Sackville-West. So I'm really interested to see what you think of that. And I'm also quite intrigued by Pride of Place by Patience McElwee, which is a fantastic name. Um, and Well, she uh, is, I think, the sister of William McElwee of the house that we looked at earlier. And that's actually Kirsty's book, which I borrowed from her. So I must <laughs> return. That's a school story, but not one for children. Uh, so I must oh, read it in return. Almost, isn't it? A school story, but not for children. Um, these, it's it's wonderful. I think that you're doing this as well because there are so many, particularly female authors. I think from this period, who have gone out of print, who mm-hmm. you know were obviously popular and well read at the time, but have just disappeared. And there's probably a lot of quality in those books and stuff that's worth reading. Um, I can't get to the books behind those books because they're double stacked, which in my mind is a travesty. What's going on behind those books? It won't, it won't take it won't take you long to work out what this stuff is once I start moving. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna guess. Oh, it's A. A. Milne shelf. Okay. So, oh my goodness, there's loads of them. All, all A. Milne. So Simon has the world's largest collection of A. A. Milne novels, plays, essays. Don't take them all off. Don't take them all off. You'll be here all day. Um, oh, I want to look at this one. Miss Elizabeth Bennet. Tell us about that. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. So, as you might guess, Miss Elizabeth Bennet is a dramatisation of Pride and Prejudice. But no, it isn't. It is. Which has sadly got that paper on. Um, which I actually saw staged in a village called Blueberry in Oxfordshire um, years and years and years ago. But, yeah. Uh 
it's um, obviously not been put on very much now, and I don't think it was particularly successful at the time, but uh, it's got enough doses of Amon and Austin to be a real delight. I'm very jealous, everybody. Um, wonderful. Can we reach over to non-fiction? Oh, okay, so I've just noticed a title here that you were telling me about in the car earlier. Infused Adventures in Tea. So do you want to tell us a bit about this? So my friend Lorna got me that for my birthday and I read it at Christmas. It's about non-fiction, about um, the author Henrietta Lovell just going around looking at tea plantations and you know, getting a career in tea and why, why tea leaves are better than tea bags is her main thing. So I've now bought some tea leaves <laughs> or it's got some on the way. Um, could be a life-changing book in terms of the amount of money I've spent on tea. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I've picked up this book because it looks wonderful. It's called Beware of Children by Verily Anderson. That's another recent one. In fact, did you read Spam Tomorrow by Verily Anderson? No. So this is the third in a trilogy that starts with Spam Tomorrow, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is when she ran a children's hotel. Who knew that was a thing? A children's hotel? Is that basically like a boarding school, but without the teaching? (laughs) That sounds amazing. Oh yes, I see. You've got your um, edition. I can't. I'm, I can't get the ankle right, so I'm going to put that there. We'll put it back in a minute. Um, the Three Brontes by Mason Clare. Is that actually um, a real biography, or? It is. She wrote the novel The Three Sisters, which was yeah. clearly based on them. But she did also write, which I've not yet read, uh, a real biography of the Brontes. Simon's going to go feed Hargreaves, so I'm on my own for a moment. I'm going to tell you about, he's got a huge collection of stuff on Catherine Mansfield. For those of you who don't know Catherine Mansfield, she is a short story writer and a cousin of Elizabeth von Arnim. Um, he's also got a huge collection of books on the Mitfords, who we're both very interested in, and particularly in Deborah Devonshire's memoirs, which I'm really enjoying seeing down there because I think that they're brilliant. Um, and I know that you've read all of those. Um, oh, over here, let's talk about these because Helen Thomas's books um biography autobiographies uh, about her marriage to the poet edward thomas we talked about this a while ago a few years ago you gave me actually my copy and they're wonderful they had a very tempestuous marriage really um do you want to tell us a bit more about these yeah that was a weird one where um because he had a mistress, but she was very forgiving to the point where i think she this just moved in with them for a bit but uh, it's i mostly remember it for uh, the final paragraph, I can't remember if it's the first or second book, but the final paragraph where he is going to war and they call goodbye back and forth to each other until he's out of hearing distance. Very moving. And next to the Helen Thomas is a book by Simon Thomas, which is you know very weird reading a book with my <laughs> name on it. It is not by me. It is by a different Simon Thomas about lo- losing his wife to cancer. Oh, gosh. Um, I've just picked up this beautiful looking book of which there oh, are several. Leaves in the Wind by Alpha of the Plough. And I think I have read that. I've read one of the Alpha of the Plough books. Uh, I, I've got a, two or three, four shelves of uh, essays. And we talked about essays in a recent episode. But uh, yeah, these are some sort of rural essays from the 1910s, basically. So they, I prefer comic essays. Those are a little comic, but not that comic. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but but you see a lot of those in charity shops. So I think they must have been very popular at one point. Uh, so Rachel's pointing at Wintering by Catherine May. I haven't read that yet, but I have read... Um, the Electricity of Every Living Thing by her. Uh, I bought this for my sister for Christmas. Yeah. So I didn't realize it said signed by the author either. Is it signed by the yes, author? Yes, it is. So it is. Stop buying signed books. <laughs> That's probably much easier to find since she's still yeah. alive and I think it was only published two or three years ago. Yes, it was. Um, would you say that most of your non-fiction is about writers? Uh, yeah, basically, so this is biography. I've got like a misc non-fiction, which is actually double-stacked, so, but there's a bit of theology... Uh, I don't really have anything that's just non-fiction that isn't literary, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, whilst I read probably about a third fiction, uh, non-fiction books a year, the books that I read that aren't to do with literature in some way are few and far between. Although the Fitzcarraldo essay is probably the nearest I come to general non-fiction. So when we were at mine, looking at my books, this was pre-pandemic, guys. So you have to go back quite a long time if, you, if you're a new listener and you'd like to listen to that episode. Simon can probably put in the notes when it is, can't you? Um, he does all that. I can't cope with the level of technology required. Um, he made fun of me for what we'll call my shelf of shame, uh, which is my collection of books on trains and railway stations, which is a secret, no, not so secret, obsession of mine. Where is your shelf of shame, Simon? 
that's a really good question. What's my equivalent shelf of shame? I just don't. Th- I mean, the ne- it's, it's not shameful, but Oliver Sacks over there is my like the nearest I come to like. Oh, you wouldn't necessarily expect that he'd like those books. So, like popular psychoanalysis, not psychoanalysis, popular psychology. But I just maybe I need to widen my interest, don't I? Because I'm looking around. I've got all my graphic novels. That's a bit bit un- unexpected. Uh, you can see the shelf dipping <laughs> precariously <laughs> under piles on top. Where is my shelf of shame? I don't have a shelf of shame. Maybe it's hidden behind these ones. He doesn't have a shelf of shame. Is there anyone better at collecting books than Simon Thomas? I don't think so. Well, I mean, I'm just overwhelmed, really. I could stay here for weeks and not leave the house and read my way through these. Um, I'm really, yeah, just delighted and envious also of an original copy of Dorothy Whipple's Random Commentary, which I was looking for for years. And the other day next to it, yes. But I've also got a copy oh, of yeah, the other day. Um, and Persephone do random commentary now, don't you? Persephone do random commentary now, so that's available. But yeah, I mean, it's a real collection to be proud of, I think. Do you, how does it make you feel being in this room? Oh, thank, I'm so pleased, because uh, I did think you'd come here and be like, why are there so many <laughs> books? You need to get rid of them. Uh, I, I've lived here for four and a half years, maybe, and it was the first time that I lived with all my books because most of my books were my parents' house. And I still love just sitting on my sofa and looking up, and particularly since I've got all the pretty ones in here, uh, just looking around and thinking, I have all my books here. And as you say, there are lots of here that are quite hard to find. And I don't, I mean, I can spend more money on books now, but for a lot of that time I was buying books, I didn't have any money. So I couldn't go online and buy the expensive copy. Uh, oh, hello, Hargreaves. <laughs> thinking of getting involved. Um, <laughs> uh, so it was just a case of hunting until I could find them cheaply or you know often I wasn't even hunting I just sort of found them um so yeah it's the sort of collection I wouldn't be able to replace I wouldn't be able to just build it up overnight it it does represent so far what 15 years of my love of books a bit longer um and you know hopefully in decades to come it will have grown and grown and grown but not in this platter you can see there's not really anywhere else to put a bookcase (laughs) so uh, that one was for not not a good audio, audible content, but this bookcase I'm pointing out underneath the window is the last bookcase, and I think the last floor space that I could put bookcase on. There's a bit more room on the walls in places, but no more floor space for bookcases. No, I think you know really you've you've used the space well, because um, also I should add Simon can't go all the way up to the ceiling because the ceilings are sloping, so he's done very well with with the space he has. Though there is the confusing, as I say. <laughs> moment when you first walk in because you think there are books all the way up the ceiling but that's just the wallpaper um well i mean it's just been an absolute delight do you have any questions you want to ask me about your books oh good point um if you could steal one of them what would you steal ah okay if i could steal one which would i steal i've seen lots that have been worth stealing i think probably i'm most interested in stealing that em delafield faster faster copy which is a beautiful dust jacket but I'm also very interested in Miss Elizabeth Bennet by A.A. Milne, which not only is right up my street content-wise, but that dust jacket is something else. Um, I think, you know, Simon better make sure he doesn't leave the room. Well, well, I'm intrigued as to what you expected to see when you walked in versus what you have seen. I mean, you mentioned it, but paint a picture of what you thought you'd see. Okay, so what I expected when I walked in was to see books piled up on the floor and to have to kind of step sideways to get around them I was also expecting a lot more double stacking and books being shoved in on top of each other and um, I did actually think that the room would also feel more full than it than it does Um, I had visions of you as an old gentleman dying (laughs) under a pile of books and not being discovered for weeks um so it's not like that at all and i think what i'm surprised by actually is how decorative they are as a collection and how um you walk in and there's just a feeling of of real they give the room a real feeling of coziness it's a cozy room anyway but um it's like being in your favorite bookshop but you get to live in it uh, that's nice. It's also, which you can't tell on audio, extremely cold. <laughs> but, 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 but the, the, the fire. I'm wearing my coat. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the fire, which is electric fire, which is quite noisy, can go back on when we start stop recording. Uh, 
which we're going to do in a moment, which we've done an hour. Uh, I, I know we've been going around with the mic on a thing, so hopefully the audio has been listenable. And uh, it's been really fun. We've now done, well, I mean, we've, we've only done one room. We'll have to come back and do and do yeah. the books on the other places in the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because I can't remember the titles, R- Rachel, can you rem- remind us what we're doing for the next episode? Yes. So for the next episode, we're looking at D.E. Stevenson's um, Five Windows and Marjorie Sharp's Four Gardens. I hope you've enjoyed this this virtual tour. If you're passing through the village I shan't name for security reasons, then do pop in any time. And don't worry, I will be r- checking Rachel's bag at the exit. Um, speak to you next time. Bye. Bye.